are dismissed. Uh, you have children's church and there's also nursery this morning. So if you want to go and participate. It's great seeing you all this morning. Uh, today we are going to be talking about God's covenant with uh, our covenant, his promise with Abram. Uh, and it's going to be talking a lot about trusting God's timing or fear will mess it up, as how fear will mess us up. As we look, I believe many Christians today need to trust in God and trust God's promises. But if we look around today, even at my own life as well, we struggle with trusting God's promises in our own lives. We might think we do, but it's all around us. The, the question that we're going to be talking about today is, do we really trust God's timing or do we just say we do? And do we try to move things around to get our wants and desires done? Now, when I... Uh, me and Danielle had been uh, together, we had been dating, and uh, I promised her that if she moved to Indiana, I would buy her a dog. <laughs> she never wanted to move to Indiana. She uh, is a, was an East Coast uh, girl, but as you can tell, I clearly won. Uh, I beat out that... Uh, uh, I beat Maryland out, but I promised her a dog, and so uh, there was a day where uh, I had to pay up. She collected, and she collected this dog. Now, the thing is, is I grew up on a farm. I know how animals act. They're hungry. They don't always go to the bathroom at the right times and place when they're a puppy. And so all of a sudden, if you've met my wife, She's becoming a little bit more country, but she's a city girl. <laughs> she did not know all this. So as we decided, and all of a sudden, she has a puppy running around, it likes to go where it likes to go. It likes to bark when it's not time to bark. It likes to behave in different kinds of ways. And the promise had been fulfilled. My wife then was looking at ways to get rid of the dog. It had been said, like, hey, I think maybe I made a mistake. Do I get a 48-hour return? And I, on the other hand, have been like, we had taken this step, had taken this promise, and we had taken this where I will have to be fulfill it because now you made me buy this dog, and we're going to walk in this together. And I, long story short, the dog lived a wonderful 13 years, loved the dog, and for some reason, I was the one that decided, hey, let's keep it, even though I knew all the responsibilities, and uh, it was a great, but different promises come with different things, like what I want might not always be what I want, and sometimes when you have the promises, too, where I'm like, hey, this is the dog responsibility I have, I am going to fulfill it, and you're going to see that a little bit today as we talk about Abram. Now, I will tell you, I will probably say Abraham, Abram, the name changes, but Right now, he's Abram, and what we're going to be talking about as he becomes Abraham. Now, Abram had been chosen by God. 
And this is happening after the Tower of Babel. So if you, as we've been going through the Torah, the big ones we've been hitting are Adam and Eve, and then it's Cain and Abel. And then there's this supernatural thing happening right before the Noah's flood, and it's all wiped out, and it returns back to, to Eden. And then right after that, Noah and his sons, they, they fall, and then we have the Tower of Babel happen. And so then... God hands over the nations to their wants and desires, and he hands them over to lesser divine beings. And Abraham, like I just said, Abram was chosen by God. Now, Abraham, if you've been reading along with us, you've known that Abraham uh, has been faithful in a lot of different ways. He was willing to leave his home for God. He, he even saves Lot. Uh, he goes after them, he, and God continues to bless him. But there's something that Abraham wanted in particular, to have a son, to have an heir. And God responds. Let's take a look at Genesis 15, verse 1. Genesis 15 says this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Elzear of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. One thing I want us to pick out before we get to the first point is if one of the first things said in verse 15 is right after remember Abram just won a huge battle won this huge battle and then one of the first things that it says is do not be afraid do not be afraid point number one there is a promise of a son there is a promise of a son Wearsby puts it like this uh, in verse 6. Promises do us humans no good unless we believe them and act on them. If we look over at the life of Abraham, we, we see that he trusted and believed God. One of the first callbacks is Genesis 12, verse 1. It says this. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be a blessing through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. One thing I want you to get, I don't care how old you are, you still have to be faithful to God. I don't care if you're 75, I don't care if you're 7. I don't care what that is. Age has become this thing like, oh, I'm getting to retirement. God didn't call you into retirement. Not in a relationship with Him. Like, we are called to be with Him. 
It's a promise. Now, if we look, what I love about this is verse 6 of 15, we just were at, Abram believed the Lord and he was credited to him at righteousness. I don't care whatever, what believing is, is at 7 or 75, it was believed and it was accredited to him. Now, this is the culmination of Abram's belief, trust, and believing loyalty. This is why I use the word believing loyalty so much. It's, it's in my vocab. As, as Wearsby puts it, and he talks about the Hebrew word for believe, means to lean your whole weight upon. To lean your whole weight upon. Like, we are Christ. When we believe, or when we say our believing loyalty is to Christ, do we put our full weight upon him? Okay. I'm going to ask Jared to come back up. Jared, can you come up here? Thank you, Jared. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, good. Okay, do you believe that I care for you? Sometimes. Most, yes. <laughs> we, had to, we did not practice this out. Hillary, I don't like to. Do, do you yes. think I want no harm to come to yes. you? Yes. Okay, so you, you believe that I want what's best for you? Yes. Okay, we're going to put that to the test, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. If you didn't know, Jared had just turned us back. Okay. Now, if you really believe me, okay, there has to be one present. Don't fall forward. Okay? Yes, don't fall forward. If you really believe me, if you really trust me, do you believe that I'm going to catch you? Yes. <laughs> that was not as convincing as I was hoping for. So, but you do trust that I care for you and I'm going to catch you, correct? Okay. Perfect. All right. Fall back. Okay. There you go. I'm not going to make it with this back hurt. Okay. I was going to make you do something a little bit different. I was going to then have you stand here and fall. No, just go ahead. <laughs> just go ahead. I know that's a very simple thing, but I think a lot of times us as believers, we've seen the trust fall a thousand times, but many of us love standing here saying, yes, I trust you, God. Yes, I trust you, God. Okay. Do you trust me? I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to lean back. I'm not going to put my weight at all on you, let alone my full weight upon you. I'm going to really put everything I have, my full weight and trust that you're going to catch me, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation. Oh, a lot of times we're just like, yeah, I, I got this. I got this. I could keep walking in my own ways. Do you fully trust upon God. Do I fully trust upon God in every situation, in every detail? And I believe there are times that we do, but I also know, just like Abram, and to be honest, we don't always trust in God's timing. Jump to Genesis chapter 16 with me. So we're just 15, 16 verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Think about that real quick. This is a callback to Adam and Eve. Think about what happened with Eve taking the apple and giving it to 
Adam. Once again, there's these temptations that happen. And once again, both of them are at fault. Abram at this point should say no. But what's Abram do? Say, yep. Just like at Adam. There's different times. There's different temptations. These are great callbacks to see each other, how the Bible's connected. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, Sarai took Sarai, his wife, took over Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with her, with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Where has this been in your life? I hope it's not putting another woman into a man's arm. But I think you guys get the concept of, but where have you rushed? Where have you moved the goalposts, moved the finish line so that you're in charge? that you still get to dictate the outcomes of how this works, where God's promised something in your life, and you're like, this is not the timing, God. We love to dictate time. Now, most of you know, and if you don't know, I used to be a youth pastor for 15 years, okay? Working with high school kids is an enjoyment and also one of the most confusing things ever. I once had a student say she stopped going to study center after school with her homework because she saw a stop sign as she was driving to class. And she believed that the sign was to stop going to class. People, you think like people will make things up so they get what they want. I don't want to go to class. Oh, there's a stop sign. I need to stop going. Literally, someone made that decision. Another big one, though, in high school, and even here, is loneliness. A boyfriend or a girlfriend. And all of a sudden, they'll start compromising because I'm a good person. I'm supposed to be with someone. I'm supposed to be with this boy or with this girl. And all of a sudden, they even know it's not the right one, but they compromise. They start compromising their position because it is not God's timing. It is our timing. I, I, I deserve this. I, I, I need this. This is a relationship, and this will make me, and I, I need to not wait on God's timing. I need to not, not do this, and I know this person's not the, the right one or this person, but it, it's good in this moment. And how many times have we seen that compromise throughout? And now we're celebrating it in a world today that celebrates guys being with multiple girls and girls now being with multiple guys, and it's, it's not even... Look, batted. How many shows can you watch out there that this is not even celebrated? You, you can't. It's hard because it's become part of who we are because that's where we get our self-worth. That's where we get connection. That's where, and all of a sudden, it's the stuff that gets us distracted from God's timing and God's path for our lives. But you know what's so uh, crazy and amazing? Is that even through sin and failure, point number two, God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. 
Now, Genesis 17, so we've gone 15, 16, I know, but these are all connected, and this is verse seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 10. And he says this, This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household are bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household are bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Okay, I know it feels like a sharp turn to go from promises to, to circumcision. Okay, but, but there's reasoning behind this. Now, if you want a more detailed, a little bit more of a doctor's point of view, you can talk to Elder Jay uh, Farah. Uh, he did a whole session during men's breakfast, but it's not appropriate for up here um, of the benefits and all that. So uh, if you want to talk to him, he would love to discuss it. I'm not going into that kind of detail, but I will be talking about because circumcision is talked around 100 times in the Bible. And, and as you read, it's a covenant. It is a sign of a covenant between God and Abram. And as we talked about last week, Noah's flood was a supernatural event. And Abram and Sarah's pregnancy, as Dr. Michael Heiser would put it, is a miraculous intervention. You do know that their ages are not that of which to have children. I don't know if any of you plus 80-year-olds are about ready to have a child or not. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's not at the place where they're ready to have children. It's not. That's why you can see here, Sarah laughs. Sarah literally laughs at the thought that, because she, she's not at the age, it's, it's over. It is bypassed. And then all of a sudden, God makes this covenant. Now, you have to also think that once the circumcision happens, all the men are out of commission, right? They're out of commission. They're not doing anything. They're trying to just survive in advance to the next day. And clearly they are not having relations with their wives. This is, so they would all know that this is all happening. This is all done. The covenant is all, there's something going on where the men are not being active. And then what happens after that? This is great. Heiser puts it like this. Everyone in Abraham's household witnessed the miracle of Isaac's birth. From that point on, every male understood why they had been circumcised. Their entire race, their very existence began with a miraculous act of God. Every woman was reminded of this when she had sexual relations with her Israelite husband and when her sons were circumcised. Circumcision was a visible, continuous reminder that Israel owed its existence to Yahweh, who created them out of nothing. God will keep his promises. 
God will keep his promises. And it shows this in Genesis 21. It says, Sarah became pregnant and bore to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, Sarah, to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. God keeps his promises. And we know that even for today. You know that it talks about this in Colossians 2, that we too are circumcised by Christ. It says in Colossians 2, 11, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. How amazing is it that we are children of God? This is a great reminder. As Israel was reminded that they were children of Abraham and children of the God, we too, because we are under Jesus, we are children of God. How amazing is that? Just as Jared knew that I would catch him, we have a trustworthy, honest, loving God that does not break his promises. So the question then lies... Why do we fall for the lies? Why do we fear so much? Why do we try to take over? Point number three, how to trust God's timing. I have four points from a scriptural point of view of how to deal with God's timing and not ours. Point number one, I would say, don't worry. Don't worry. Matthew 6, 31 through 34 says this. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Abram continued to worry about not having an heir. So he doubted. He had fear. That's why the call back to even Genesis 15 of not be, do not be afraid. Because when you worry, you open the door to doubt and fear, which makes you take over from where God is directing. How many of you have changed course when you fear something? When you're walking in the woods and all of a sudden you Maybe it's nighttime and you're a little scared. You change direction to find the light because you fear. And all of a sudden, there's so many times, and I think sometimes we think of these big things, but I think sometimes when, if we're in a car and we're driving in a car and I was driving and my wife's next to me, what happens if for one second she just came over and just grabbed the wheel like that for a hot second? What do you think's going to happen? Things are going to get a little chaotic. Of course, we do that to God all the time. We're like, yeah, God, I trust you. Oh, we're going this direction. We grab it really quick. And then we're like, God, how did I get here? Because now I'm in a ditch. And then we complain to God. When we have tried to take over and we tried to maneuver all this stuff because worry and fear 
comes in. The reason why I know this so well is I've told you about the trip that I take to Colorado. And we drive on the side of a mountain. Literally a side of a mountain. It's beautiful for the passenger to look out. I don't get the view. I am focused on the road because it becomes really short and really narrow. And there's no guardrails. So I focus on what it is. If my wife grabs it and pulls it, we aren't here on Sunday. We have to trust the driver, right? We have to trust Jesus is in charge and we can't take over. And we think that sometimes this is a small thing. This could be life and death stuff. This could be spiritual life. And I've said this before too. Me and my friends one day when I was college, a little bit more immature, we were like, how many decisions would it take to ruin your life? And I first started off with, I think three. It got really quick to one. One. And that's why we are called to be obedient. We are supposed to walk in God and trust in God. But so many times we want to take over. We want to grab that wheel. We want to move it to the direction we want to go. So point number one, don't worry. Don't worry. Point number two, know God is in charge of time itself. God is in charge of time itself. Ecclesiastes 3 states this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. I find it amazing that in Genesis 21... It talks about when Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham. Abraham, in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. At the very, God wasn't late. God wasn't early. It was at the time God had promised. And he fulfilled his promise. But we get anxious because we get impatient. Because we want something to occur now. I remember when I was a little kid, I used to, we were going on a Cedar Point trip, and it was uh, on a, like a Thursday during the summer, and it was Wednesday, and I literally remembering, God, don't come back until Friday. Let me have Cedar Point, then come back and take me. I was an immature kid. I get it. But I wanted what I wanted. God's in charge of time. If he wanted to right now, he could do whatever he wants. He's in charge of the timing. And so if we know who's in charge of timing, that helps us to know point number three is know the prize. Know the prize. Know the prize means this. Psalm 16 puts it so well. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart uh, instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. If you know where you're going and you know who's taking you, it helps with the distractions. If I knew that I needed to lose weight for a competition like or, or a contest, I would then not eat as much. 
Or if I needed to bulk up, I would know I needed to eat this much. It would, it would contain what I wanted. And just like so much stuff, if you knew God is a loving God and Father and he's your number one priority, a boyfriend or a girlfriend is not going to fulfill that need. You know what's great is God could give you that person as a blessing, as a joy, but too many times we have made that our first love, our first care, and we have not put Jesus in his proper place. It's to know what the prize is, that, Lord, you alone are it. My full weight is upon you. And so many times we want to put our full weights on other things, our half measures here and half measures here, because we want to protect ourselves because we still want to have control. The problem is if you are really a believer, you have no control. You're his. You're his. You are to walk obediently with him. And the fourth point, though, is to know that God wants to use you. Know that God wants to be with you. Too many times, so many of us are scared that, like, oh, if I give up to God, I lose who I am. I lose all this stuff. Come on now. You're actually free to be who you are supposed to be. The story that I use here is Esther. Esther is a great story because she was married to a Persian king, and uh, basically what's happening is that all of her Jewish people are going to be killed, and she then is, has an opportunity to go to the king, but if she goes to the king, she knows she could be killed because it's not the way that it's supposed to happen, and she's supposed to be called upon, and she's supposed to meet him, and this is what happens in Esther 4. He sent back an answer to Esther. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, or days. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Just so you know, you are not floating on this earth with no purpose. You are not just floating at some time, a random time. My wife does think that I would have succeeded in the 1950s and 60s with, uh, with their style. But I don't care if you're like, oh, I think the world's going great today. Or if I think the world's going bad today. That, does, that doesn't matter. God put you in this time for today. He put you in this time for today. He wants to be with you. He wants to use you. you. You have purpose. You have meaning. And so many times we start trying to take over when we forget what our purpose and our meaning is. We, we become afraid and we start to worry and we start to try to take over and we start to be in control. And I am asking you and I am telling you today, let us not live in those things. Let us not drown in those things. Let us actually get up and look to the Lord. 
And I hope that there, there's some practical stuff that you can actually look at today from just even those points. Maybe it's just one that you don't know what the prize is. Or you don't know that God wants to use you. I, I ask that you circle it. Maybe you're afraid about way too much stuff. Or maybe it's about one thing that you just can't let go. Circle it. Write it down. Talk about it in your D group. Seek scripture through it. Pray to the Lord through it. Because we are called to trust in his timing. Now, a lot of times people, when they say, hey, trust in God's timing, they might go to the sense of, oh, I'm just going to not really do anything. I'm just going to do, just keep, you know, just walk through life. And whatever happens, happens. And, you know, peace, man. That's not active at all. God wants us to be actively walking with him, actively pursuing him. That, that is not the case of being like, oh, I'm just not going to uh, touch on anybody's toes. No, no, we are supposed to be actively following the word of God. So the word of God is actively instructing and guiding us and, and moving us to affect the world today, to guide the world today. Because Tell me this, do you not think that we have a world that loves to be afraid and is scared and worry and suicidal and depression and a world that is lost without a shadow of a doubt and there's only one way, only one person that can save it and it ain't you. And that is Jesus Christ. And that problem is that so many times us as Christians want to drive and be like, oh, if we do this or do this, we'll get them in. I am sorry. The only one that does anything is Jesus Christ. And we're just supposed to be obedient to what he calls in your life. Do not be afraid because God has got you. He keeps his promises. So if you are depressed today, know that Jesus has you. If you are down today, know that Jesus loves you. Rest in that. Rest in that alone, that the God of the universe cares for you, died for you, loves you, and is guiding and directing you. Oh, that is a message that I can't come up with, or I can't come up with the cool slogan to bring people in. It does not matter. It is the truth and the word of the scripture. And it is his word that he loves you and cares for you. And you know what is amazing? Abraham wasn't cheated from one thing he was promised. He was actually given so much more. He wanted one son. And God says, hey, let's go out and look at all the stars. Look at all the stars out there. You too will not be cheated. I'm not saying your life's going to be perfect. I'm not saying that at all. Like, it will be a road to walk with Christ. But I'm saying he will keep his promises forever. Let us sing.
the King of 